Let me explain something if you don't know, understand about speaking in tongues. When my wife speaks in tongues or prays in tongues, it's because she doesn't, the Holy Spirit moves upon her and gives her groanings too deep to be understood. And it's direct communication between her and God, not that our English prayers are not. But it's not only a sign to those that are saved, it's more of a sign to those that haven't believed yet. So we believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit here. And what happens is you can't work it up. You can't make this happen just by simple force of will. This is sovereign. And it's when God says, I'm going to move among my people in that way. And the problem is is that so many times I miss him, you miss him, we miss him. But that's what he wants. He wants a joyous bunch to come and enter his courts with praise. Let's stand as we read our simple scriptures, okay? First Corinthians. And we'll read these in unison. Continuing on, what what is the basis for all of this? Well, the basis for all of this is Jesus Christ. As we've shared in the past, we believe that, I believe that we try to complicate the gospel too much. The gospel is very simple. The gospel was preached to the poor. They're simple people. That's why he said he came. Preach the gospel to the poor. Poor in spirit. You might not be poor in the flesh, but we're all poor in spirit until he pours out what he wants to pour out. So let's read this together. This is Paul saying to the Corinthian church, which experienced things just like we just experiences now. So this isn't something new that we just cooked up to draw a crowd. This is something that's firmly rooted in the scriptures, the authority. And Paul said, okay, let's quit talking about it. He said, for I determined, read with me, not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's where all this starts. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why we're here today. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what we must believe when we get beside our bed at night and pray. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's ascended on high and he's caused us to sit in heavenly places with him. Go to John. Chapter 3, we'll start with verse 14. Moses, type of Christ. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man keep going. That whosoever should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through... How many of you believe that today? That's the key to the whole thing right here. 
We live in a time of condemnation and a cancer culture. Y'all can be seated. Hallelujah. Those are our scriptures for keeping it simple. And I want to focus today in on the word condemnation. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Came that the world might be saved. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 1. You know, Paul had a very good attitude toward his ministry. He just passed things on. He passed it on. And he says here, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. Which I preached unto you, which also you have received. Have you received the gospel today? (laughs) Which also you have received. This sounds like a bunch of noise and clanging cymbals and that until you've received the good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I receive it. Say with me today. I receive it. I receive the good news. I don't push it away. I receive it. And because I receive it, wherein you stand. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. That's what we stand on right now. That's what the world needs right now. What we need right now. Go on, if you would. By which also you are what? What are you saved by? The gospel that Paul preached, which was a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why he came into the earth to seek and save that which was lost. Like me. Like you. The day I got saved, I got a real upgrade. My life got upgraded real good. Anybody ever sit in the back of the plane and this plane was full and they called you up front and let you sit in first class? Anybody? There you go. I got an upgrade. Some of us have lived our lives in guilt and unforgiveness, and it's like, get to the back, get to the back. But then Jesus comes into our life and says, get to the front. Get to the front. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the means why, how we are saved. If we keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I haven't believed in vain today. And neither of you. That's why even in a rough time, you can, as as Clark said and as Mike said, you can feel something welling up inside you. You just feel it. I remember after I first got the Holy Ghost, man, I couldn't wait to be in church. I couldn't wait. Anybody remember those days when the Spirit moved on you and you just couldn't wait? I used to get off an airplane from Mexico and go straight to church. Because I was just so excited about what the Lord had in store. And we still are. But it says, we didn't believe in vain. Go on, please. 
For I delivered unto you, there's that again, first of all, that which you, I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. That's what Paul received and that's what he passed on. That's what you're passing on to your kids. That's what's been passed down through generation after generation. And you're still alive today by the Spirit of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So, how that Christ died for our sins according to what? Scriptures. The Scripture, the Scripture is this. It's a body of writing Considering things that are sacred or authoritative. In other words, the scriptures are our authority. Who do the scriptures speak of? They speak of Jesus and him crucified. There's great authority with the word of God. And what people try to do and what the enemy tries to do is diminish the authority of the word of God. That's why we live in the mess that we're in right now. God is sovereign. He knows the ways. He knows everybody's path in here, everybody's past. Everybody's future. And there's an attack on the Word of God right now. Which is, it just didn't start right now. But that's what authority is. Authority, what is the final authority? The Word of God. What He says is going to happen. So they go on some more. I'm just, according to the scriptures, let's read some more. Probably didn't have that in there, but. And that he was what? He was buried. And that he rose again the third day. (laughs) What did he do? He rose again the third day. According to what? According to the scriptures. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, just like he said he would. Now listen, if he can, if he can prophesy his death, resurrection, if he can do that, he had to believe in that. According to what? According to the scripture. Isaiah 53 speaks all about the Messiah that was going to come and what his attributes were going to be. The the Jewish people sometimes say that's the forbidden chapter because it speaks more of Christ than any other chapter in there, any other prophecy. But Isaiah predicted or prophesied, not predicted, prophesied just what Jesus would do. The disciples were just like us. They had problems with belief sometimes. And they say, no, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. The world will tell you today, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. We're on the brink of who knows what. But according to the scriptures, we have hope. We are people of hope. Go to, well, go to Romans 8.1. You all know this scripture. I want you to remember what we read in John 3.17. Which says this. Remember what Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world. 
that through him the world might be saved. There's no other way than him. I want to look at condemnation. Condemnation is a censure. Somebody censoring what you say. They condemn your speech or they condemn what you stand for. And condemnation is also putting the blame on someone. Blame. I don't accept any blame because he blamed, he accepted my blame on the cross. He took the blame, he took the shame. So condemnation is a deep censor or blame. Let's talk about the cancer culture for a minute. We can already see things developing in our society that if we don't say what we're supposed to be saying, not according to the word, but according to what man thinks, you will be censored. I mean, they're just canceling out people. If they don't like what they say, you just cancel them out. And they condemn what you're saying. So we have to believe more strongly in what we're saying than what they're saying. We have to realize that most of the media is liberal and anti-God. So we can't expect them to be otherwise until they realize why Jesus Christ came to this earth, just like all of us. But look what it says here. They want to condemn your speech. They want to condemn. You're just not going to exist anymore. Don't exist. It's condemnation. But look what Romans 8 and 1 said. There. There. Right now. There. In our lives. Therefore, now know what? There's no censure. There's no blame. We need to get those things into the church body. No censor, no blame. The world will do enough of that. He bore my shame. What else does it say here? <laughs> to them which are what? There's that name again, Jesus. You know, I kind of felt like this... condemnation and if he says you're not condemned don't tell yourself you're condemned you are free that's why he came so that's why we need to know Christ and him crucified that's the very foundation the very basic there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus we got to realize that the world's going to speak certain things and we're going to see certain things that we don't understand. But his word is greater and his blood is greater than anything that mankind. How did we, how did our, our belief stay alive through thousands of years? Because there's something behind it. What was behind it? Resurrection, for one thing. 
The world thinks it can put the Word of God, the Word of God, to death. It thinks they can make it of none. They cancel you out. They cancel you out. But the roar that went up here in this morning was a roar that was sent from heaven. It wasn't man-made. It didn't happen because somebody was here and somebody. It was sent from heaven. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what my flesh wants sometimes? Darlene put me on a diet. I'm getting soft. No sweets. We have a place over in Florence called Emerson's Bakery. Some of you might know it. They have the best donuts. I'm just. And my flesh wants them donuts so bad. As a matter of fact, the one that put me on the diet, we were driving home last night from somewhere, and she said, Emerson's is right over there. She said, you know, Emerson's right there, and I'd like nothing better than a big old juicy donut. And I said, you know, I was just thinking about that. I know where Emerson's is. But guess what? Something rose up within us. And we drove right past Emerson's. And I went home and I ate a pear and an orange. Now, my flesh said, wouldn't a donut be better? But my spirit said, no, an orange would be better. A pear would be. You know, it takes effort to be healthy. It's so easy just to get a donut and shove it down your mouth. But if you're eating an apple or a peach, or you have to, you have to, what do you call that when you peel it, peel it. It work to be healthy. A donut can be in my belly before I ever get the knife out of the drawer for that pear. And it tastes so good. But you know what? If I would have bowed, and this is, this is a rabbit trail I'm chasing for just a minute. If I would have gave in to the donut urge, I would be hooked again. Ice cream. And guess what would have happened? If I would have done that, I would have felt bad about myself. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit of God. So, there's no condemnation now in our lives. We have to free ourselves from condemnation. How do we do that? Accept the sacrifice of Calvary. Accept what... What changed everything was the resurrection. That's that's the basis that we stand on. According to the scripture. What else? Go to Romans 5, 6. It's a little disjointed, but I'm doing what I can.
What's it say here? This is where he came. For when we were yet without strength, where does the strength come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from the joy of the Lord. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, you know, people were even condemned him. We were condemning him when he hung on the cross. That you saved others now. Get off that cross and save yourself. You know how he had to stick to what he was sent for? He could have come off that cross at any time. That's not what he came. The, the, the Jews were upset because they wanted an earthly kingdom. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. Everything pointed toward what he came for. And then on the cross, he said, when he gave up the ghost, he said, it's finished. In other words, he accomplished what he came for. That's what our faith is built on today. And it, it says here, uh, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5 says, go on a little bit more. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Go ahead. But God commended his love toward us. He commended his love toward In other words, he says, here's my love. Understand it. Mended his love to you. He didn't condemn you. He commended his sin here. What was the authority behind that? The, all the prophecies that went before? What was the authority? The word of God. That's what we base everything on. He commends his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, what did he do? He died for us. There is therefore now no condemnation. You know, uh, if the government wants your house, they can condemn your house. How many of you know that? They can condemn your house. Which means that they can confiscate it for public, for a public purpose. So condemnation carries with it not just eternal darkness, but the devil is seizing everything that really belongs to us. So when we don't live in condemnation, then we don't base everything on public purpose. We're supposed to be moved with compassion, as Mike was saying. But our purpose is higher than condemnation. It's so good to know that you're not condemned anymore. Someone asked me, what's the difference between 
judgment and condemnation or wrath. Well, the scripture says we're not appointed to wrath. There's another benefit of being part of the family of God. That's something else that he came for. So that we, he bore the wrath of the Father on the cross and we are not condemned to the wrath of God. We will be judged as the world said, but on the cross, he took away our condemnation. After condemnation comes wrath. It's the judgment. Judgment means that I will be judged for what I did in the flesh, in my body. But I'm not going to go through the wrath of God because his love has been shed abroad in everyone's heart. And all we got to do is receive it. When's he coming back? I don't know. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be long after I'm gone. But I have the assurance that what he came and bled for and died for, I can live in it, I can believe it, and I can walk in it, and I will have eternal life. Well, I don't, I'm not going to preach anymore. I don't even know if that was preaching. Yes, it was. How many of you are preachers and you know about halfway through your message? The devil starts coming and saying, well, you're just blabbering, blabbing, blabbing. Anybody know that feeling? You're just blabbing. You can just talk all you want. You ain't getting nowhere. <laughs> you ain't getting nowhere. Even the devil will try to condemn you while you're preaching. You're not a very good speaker. You're not a very good this. You're never. Well, I might not be good, but I am what I am by the grace of God who shed his blood and gave his life for me. That's who I am. Now, however you interpret that is up to you. But I know and I am persuaded. I am persuaded that for the last 40 years, I haven't believed in something in vain. But I believed in something that is eternal. It keeps me away from the judgment of God. I have a firm foundation. I have a multitude of witnesses that are egging me on. I have people that pray for me. I have people that want me to be taken care of. So, devil? That's not a clean axe. That's a piece of paper. I better quit before I get in the flesh. You know, I got to thinking this morning, you pull out on the road from Florence about 830 and the roads are empty. There's no traffic jams on Sunday morning. And I got to thinking, what motivates me to do this? Is it because I'm a preacher? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? Why are you motivated to do this after 40 years? Why are you motivated? I have one motivation. And that's to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell people what he's done for me and he can do for them. That's the only motivation we got. I heard a guy say once, they said, things aren't going like you want. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just quit? You know, that's what the devil always tries to get people to do. Why don't you just quit what you're doing? What's the reward of this? People still get sick. Blah, 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 blah. He's got a whole line of stuff that he repeats over and over and over and over. It's out there somewhere just waiting to get attached to you. 
the negativity of the enemy. Questioned it in the garden, and he's still questioning it today. The guy said, well, I got a thousand reasons to leave, but one reason to stay. Do I know what that one reason is? We got a thousand reasons not to do what we do or you to think like you think. Because if persecution really comes later on, we're going to have to know in whom we have believed. Hallelujah. We spend too much time worrying about when it's going to happen than making ourselves ready for when it's going to happen. Paul spoke of the revelation. You know, uh, he, Paul wrote in... Uh, uh, no, it was Peter. I, excuse me for a minute. But anyhow, what was going on is After Jesus rose from the dead, he was seen by the disciples, the testimony of the resurrection. Then Paul said, I saw him too. And he said, everything changed, I'm paraphrasing now, when I had a revelation of who he was, who I was persecuting. That changed everything. Our lives are changed forever. By the revelation of Jesus Christ in us. Bible predicts in the last days there'll be a great falling away. None of you. None of us. I believe we're going to find a strength and a courage that we didn't even know we had. I believe that's what's promised for the church. As in the days, Joel said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. People say, I don't see signs and wonders like I want to see. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You have to believe now or understand that 50% of our society thinks differently than we do. It's coming. What's the count? What's God's, what's God's statement about chaos, misunderstanding, a great move of the Holy Ghost that sets men free? That's what we have to depend on. Hallelujah. I've said enough. I hope the Father forgive me for, but I'm not going to take any condemnation for it. You guys know in your spirit that what was said is true because we, according to scripture. Are you saved today according to the scripture? According to the scripture, not well, my grandpa told me I'm saved or my mom told me I'm saved or preacher told me. Are you saved today according to the scripture? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ the basis as your Savior who bled and died but rose again for you? You are in His book. That's why we got to be in the book because we want to be in the bigger book that meets us for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen.